You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. All right, we want to welcome everyone to the latest edition of the Superhero Education Podcast. My name is Eugene Pitchford, but most importantly, I would like to introduce someone really important, and he goes by the name of Steve Garner. How's everybody doing? Great to be here. I'm thrilled for this one. I am excited to hear about Pitchford's things and other oh, stop exciting stop tidbits. It. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Other uh, exciting we're, not, we're not even going down that rabbit hole. Because Pitch if you want to play that game, things want to play that game, tidbits. I could play that game too. <laughs> I'm not sure if you really want to do that uh, live for live recording. Oh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. All right. So it's, it's been a few seconds. Um, school year began, so we kind of got into the school year, doing a couple things that we need to do. But we're back. We have a number of shows ready for you all. And um, when, when coming up for topics or topic ideals and discussion, Steve brought up, well, how do we know um, – online learning is even working. Uh, if it is, if it isn't, like what are next steps? And so Steve, I thought this was a brilliant, you know, brilliant ideal uh, that you came up with, but kind of expand on what you were thinking a little bit. Sure, I, I think we're, we're forced into it, right? So we're, we're in the middle of it. And when we come out on the other end of this, as we start processing what's happening, we have to measure success. So the idea is, do we know, how will we know if we're successful? Will we be successful? What measurements will we be using to measure success? So I think that's, that's really where we got to go here. And it's going to be a lot of issues. There's going to be politics involved. There's going to be economics involved. There are several factors that, that everyone will be looking at that might might play a little bit with if people think their education is successful or not. So we've had testing in the past, right? So that measures where some would say, well, that measures success. We've had teachers saying it has to be more than testing. We can do other parts of formative assessments and other effective domain areas in which we can tell if students are achieving the goals. How will we know in this virtual environment if we're successful or not? Right. So Steve came up with this great, 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 great title for our show tonight. That was Steve Garner came up with the topic. But the topic is the case for and against on uh, virtual learning. Is it working? Is it not working? Everything Steve just said. And so we want to give the listeners a reminder that for most of the districts that are uh, that are virtual, we're getting close to the time they're going to have to make a decision one way or the other to continue being virtual, 
to maybe branch off into a hybrid hybrid situation or go full-fledged face-to-face. So many places are like, they're, they're real close to that time. There's, it was usually some point in October, early November, uh, late, mid to late October, early November. Um, and, and, and like Steve said, this could be a board decision. This could be a school administration decision. This could go from working with the parents. This could be, a, a, for some places, it may be how comfortable the teachers are. And all this is impacted by money and time. So I, I agree with you, Steve. Like this, this really could get interesting and tricky. But you laid out a question like, how do we know in this time period, you have to ask that question, how do we know if it's working? So Steve, I, I'll let you start off this conversation. Like, what are the things you think schools should be looking at to even beyond if we're going one way or the other, but like, what should they be looking at? Well, let's unpack it with students, parents, teachers, administrators, and then let's even divide it out with private school and public school. When we look at students, we've been telling students for a long time, we've been saying, get off the screen, right? As parents and as educators, we've been saying, get outside, do something else. Don't play so many video games. Don't watch TV so much. Don't be on your phone so much. And now as educators and as society, we're saying, get connected. Schooling's done through Zoom or Meet or some kind of video format and learning activities online. So we actually shifted quickly and we said, from don't go online as much to get online and stay online for hours a day. So in a student's mind, and I think it, it'll be hard to really judge this, but are students enjoying it? And then part of it is beyond enjoying it. Are they being successful in it? How do we know if students themselves are being successful, I think part of it is if they're engaged, right? We have to measure out how much engagement. So are they showing up? Are they showing up for the actual class? That would be one piece of engagement. And then how else are they engaging in the classroom activities? Are they finishing it? Are they answering questions? Are they talking to the teacher online? Those are all parts that I, pieces I think that we need to put together to see if they're being successful. I'm looking at, I'm li not looking, I'm listening to what you're saying, but I'm also looking at like the actual work. Like are, are, are there measures to say, hey, this work is advanced level work, proficient level work, um, basic and minimal. Um, I, I, I'm like, so I, I'm looking at that aspect of it. Like, is there a space to, for that to even happen? I, I'm, I'm hoping it is. And, and I think many places do have that. We, we, so even if you like online learning or you don't like, can a student track if they're learning? Can, can a student track their grades? Um, what, what is the school's grading system? If they don't like it? Huh? If they don't like it, can they be successful? Sure. It may be harder, but sure. There's a lot of classes I didn't like, but I did well in. At what age, though? Does it, can, a, can a first grader, second grader not like it? Totally be disconnected and still be successful. How many kids do you know really love school? I think uh, at the lower grades, 
I, I taught grades one through eight. I felt very confident that, especially that maybe to middle school, they still, they get overjoyed to, to do the assignments, to be with the teacher, to interact with the class, to learn new things. I felt most students in the elementary love school. Middle school, things happen, right? Uh, body changes, hormones, attitudes, everything changes. So that I, I, I believe is a little bit different. But you don't think the elementary, they like the school? Uh, I think I, I, would, I would lower that grade level. I, I wouldn't say up to middle school. I would probably say somewhere around third or fourth grade, there's a shift. And then it gets murky for a while. Then they go to college and love their professors. Do they find a love? But, but let's, let's get back on. to where, but let's get back to, to, to your question. Like, is it working? And um, so I'm going to look at the tracking of grades. So forget whether you like this or not. Is it working for you academically? And I would bet that most people would agree that they would love to have face-to-face -face time with their kids to further enhance learning. Sometimes I feel like virtual learning, you could, you could get to a point, but then it stops. It's like there's a, there's a cap on the learning to a degree. Now, I'm not saying that falls for everybody, but just in general, I think it caps, caps off at a certain point. I think there, there's a limitation on if you like it or not. You're right. Learning is hard work and you don't always enjoy hard work. But there is a learning aspect that we took students from kindergarten, first grade, second grade, where they're singing songs, they're playing, they have stations and centers set up in the classroom to virtual learning. That's a whole shift that without much thinking, teachers just had to flip it and make it happen. Right. And I don't think we're replacing that well because I don't know if we can replace that well. So do you think this is, do you think the virtual world as far as education is working for students? It depends on the grade level. I, I think it's, it's actually hurting some students, especially the lower grades. I don't, I don't um, believe they can be virtual learning without losing something without the teacher right there. You know, at some universities, they're giving uh, the students the opportunity to do the virtual piece. Universities that are face-to-face, -face, they're giving their kids an opportunity to um, go virtual with no harm or no foul on attendance the weeks after Thanksgiving. So I asked my class today, like, you know, as a class, like, what are, what are, what are you, what would you all pick knowing that you have the opportunity? But I was really concerned with, not a concern, I was more curious about why they picked what they did. And probably 94% said, we are going to go we want to stay face-to-face -face for, for a number of reasons. So it's, it's a routine, distractions at home, uh, my friends and peers are here. But many of my students said it's harder to learn online. 
And I'm gonna be honest with you, I thought more would have would have taken the bait of you can go home and learn. So a few kids took it, but overall, yeah. overall, they were like, eh, you know what? I value this face to face a little bit more. That's a university setting. I think it accelerates even at the first, second, third, fourth grade. That elementary level, totally different than the university level of learning that those students are going, I want to be with my teacher. Being online that long is not as effective as being with the teacher full time. But what will happen is we have to see the data. We have to see what, what measurement of success. Let's shift it to parents. Is it successful for parents? What are parents, what do they want to see? And then is it successful in what their wants are? So again, we're generalizing because parents will be all over the place as far as if we, if we look at our country, there are certain parents that are going to love the virtual learning and others that want their child to be face-to-face. -face. So let's is go into successful? that though. Let's What's go that? into that. Let's go into the parents because that's the next step on the ladder. Um, looking at parents, what, what do you, like, what do parents want? And we know from the summer, when we did our renew, um, most of the districts and schools around here use parent surveys to guide their decision. Most, not all, but most. Why are you looking at me like that, Steve? All right, your screen is frozen. Your screen is frozen. I was like, why is Steve looking at me like this? Uh, but most districts used a, um, there we go, we got your back. Easy a parent survey back. to kind of guide uh, their, their decisions. And without having like access to another parent survey like given recently, he, let, let's spice this up a little bit because we're, we're being too nice. And this is not a bad thing, but let's just spice this up. My honest opinion of being open or closed from a parental standpoint, to me, stuff I've been seeing falls along racial lines. And, and I hate to throw race into this. Race or politics? I mean, I'm sure politics creeps in too, but like just in general, many of the fat black families, Hispanic families that I know, they're more will, willing to, to deal with online and to manage it. A lot of my white peers are like, no, let's open these doors up. They need to be in school, face-to-face. -face. Why, so, why do you think it, it settles on racial I lines? Don't, I don't know. Like, I, I honestly don't know. I believe it's political more than racial. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe hope people aren't looking at this as an assault of, on your liberty, on your child's liberties. It, it seems to be more political of the idea of, of Democrats saying, uh, we're going, to, we're going to take it easy, we're going to keep safe measurements and stay virtual. They're going to trust the science. Republicans saying let's uh let's open it up you're destroying our economy and our way of life and you're scared i think it's political more than racial but that also runs along racial lines right it does yeah that also runs along racial lines but let's take it from both sides so if you have a group 
it, like so if there if, if if there's a set of parents that just we're not sending our kids back i'm not sure what a school can do if they're really gonna if the parents are really gonna do that the issue comes in they have to work if it's not as good an education and you're saying it's following racial lines and or political lines and it's not as good at education don't you see that gap getting larger and larger absolutely if we're saying that mostly the white parents are going want face to face and face to face is better right at this moment not saying it always will be but right at this moment it's hard to argue that it, it's not then we're going to have a bigger gap if the parents of color say we, we're, we're fine with virtual because they'll be in a virtual setting. So that's a huge problem. Remember in August when I had a meeting with a person and we had a bet on what the purpose of that meeting was? And the person wanted to pick my brain. Well, anyway, never mind. I don't want to put the person's name out there on, on air. Uh, but the, the, the point is, there is a, there's a school in one of the suburbs of Milwaukee. And their black population probably makes up 25 to 30% of their school. But when they were given the option of online or face-to-face, 90% of the black folks decide to go online. So that tells me something. I don't know what it tells me, but it tells me something. Well, go beyond that though, because that, that's fine, but go beyond that. Talk about if it's successful for their child, because regardless of what the parents want, don't want, there's, there's ultimately this, we have to keep going further down, drilling down on the point of success. If, if the child, is, if in face-to-face -face they were writing, they were using their, they were drawing, they were writing, they were painting, they were in, in active play, they were in these centers that the teacher created, and they can't do that in a virtual setting at this moment. Even if the parents want it, as educators, we have to be loud and we have to be able to articulate out why we need to go face to face, at least a hybrid model for the sake of the children. Because if, if a parent says, I don't even mind if my child goes to school two days a week, what if there's parents out there that say, I don't even know if my child needs school, right? So we as educators have to decide and help model and articulate and voice what is good education? What is successful education? Do you think parents as a whole right now, I don't care what city, what suburb, public, private, urban, suburban, do you think parents have a good idea on how their children are actually being educated by their teacher? better than they had in the past because they're part of it now. So you're they, saying they it's like better it than it not. was in April? Better than it was because before education was very invisible. Now it's, now it's laid out in the living rooms of everybody's house. 
So they know more than, than they've known in the past. Again, the issue comes back to what, let's think about why do parents like face-to-face, -face, why do they like virtual? There's a virtual piece that you don't have to get to the school. I don't have to have schedules like picking up and dropping off, getting a bus schedule, food, lunch, things like that. After school, before school care. That's one area that, that parents will like virtual school. What are some area other ways they would like virtual school as a parent? Well, I was actually thinking the opposite of what you were saying. I'm thinking of the parent that has a younger child, first grade, second grade, that has to go to work. Mm -hmm. um, and just how that may influence their decision, obviously, to- So that's a negative piece, to piece huh? of virtual learning. Yes, that would be a, a, a situation where you wouldn't want virtual schools. But do you think parents overall have a preference? I need you to speak for all the parents out there. I mean, I know you're a grandfather, so can, like, <laughs> can you talk for all other the parents right now? Just lay it out on the line, uh, Grandpapa. Uh, oh, congrats, by the way, too. You're welcome. Yeah, nice. Nice. We're, we're back hearing from Pitchford's Things and Tidbits. EP3. All parents, I don't know if we can say all parents, regionally, you know, parts of the country, it all differs. I don't know if we could say, I, here's what we know. Parents want the best for their child. They want their child to be successful. They love their child. All parents do. And, and that's what's different across the country. And I'm not a believer in a one-size-fit-all. I think we do Coming out of this, I think the benefit of this will be that we'll have schools that will be all virtual, we'll have schools that'll be all face-to-face, -face, and then we'll have this hybrid model. Coming out of this is exciting because it'll be very personalized. The schools that will be successful will have this figured out to say, Eugene is different than Andre, is different than Camisa, is different than Ali, is different than Sarah, and we're going to personalize it for everyone. Those are the schools that are coming out of this very, very strong. I tell you this, the public school system in your district, in your city, the parents were relentless. They were like, we got to open up right now. Remember, social economics, politics, all these forces are always on education. You can't separate economics, politics, all these other social forces. They're always but, pushing come on. on education. Come on, man. We're all, we all, we're all, and I'm just for the listeners out there, I'm saying this is like an inside joke. So I don't want no one to take this literally, but come on, man. We're all like, we're, we're all, we're all the same blood, man. We, we're all looking to get the best situation for our kids. I mean, Hey, Hey guys, come on. I mean, um, let's, let's figure this out. Okay. I mean, I mean, you know, you know, you know, like we're trying to do the best thing for the kids, right? We are right impersonations right now eugene pitchford so let's let's move this train down to teachers teachers because here's where it gets really in to me this is really where it gets interesting because depending on the district that you're in there may be a union involved if it's a public school and if it's a private school you just may not have a choice and so this is where i think it gets into the weeds of the best process. 
I mean, we could look at the this. You could look at we live in two different cities, so we could look at the city I live in and the city you live in, and the teachers are taking a totally different approach. And I know you're going to go back to socioeconomics. I know you're going to go back to politics. But at the end of the day, it's two drastic approaches between two different groups of teachers. Well, keep going with that. What, what do you see with teachers? What, what's their... Okay, so here in virtual? my city, it looks as if there's a call to say collectively, we don't want to be in the classroom right now until certain things are met, until it's safe for everybody. Uh, we're going to listen to government and health officials, and, and it's just not particularly safe right now. That's in my city. In your city, from what I could tell, it's, all right, let's open this thing up. Let's get to it. Um, there's not enough science or data that says that we should close. And um, hey, hey, little, uh, little Stevie needs to be in class. So that's kind of what I'm seeing. As you look, as you look deeper, I, as what teachers like, what they prefer, how they see this learning, besides the safety, you laid out the safety issues and their preference. Let's even talk about what, what they're doing in the virtual learning as far as success. I'm seeing some teachers really transform everything they were doing face-to-face. -face. They figured out you know what, we're gonna go virtual. We're gonna make it as robust of learning as possible in this virtual. So almost like we take this classroom that we had before and we're gonna to try to do everything we've done before in a virtual world. And then I see some, some teachers who are saying, we can't do that. So we're going to create this other whole separate type of learning virtually that will that will have learning activities, self-pacing, go to this, uh, go to this math, watch these math videos, do these exercises, watch these reading videos, complete the exercises. And I wonder as the preference of teachers, how that impacts students and how that impacts our future in education too. Because as we look at it, some teachers again will enjoy the idea of getting coffee in there going downstairs or to the kitchen and getting their coffee and breakfast and then starting their day and that taking a little break maybe to work out and then getting back to the classroom i think some teachers are really enjoying that pace and that rhythm and then others go this is awful we have to get face to face where i can continue to do great things with students and I don't know if we know percentages of that. As, as right. you stated, district to district's different. As we look around our country, that changes too from city to city. Yeah, What'll be the difference maker will be what again is what are we going to see in the research? What are we going to see in the data that's going to show us in this time frame in 2020? This was very successful. This did not work at all. And if we say something didn't work at all. Well, Eugene's preference for what you want to do, what if that clashes with it wasn't successful? So Eugene says, I really enjoyed this virtual learning. 
in math, and he finds out his math scores for his students were awful. Right. Here's my like concern. Here's, here's my here, like, like for safe to me for safety purposes. Like, if that's what you're focused on, then you have to go virtual. But here's where it's going to get tricky, and here's where I think some people may need to just think about this. Let's just say the district, public school district in my city decides to stay virtual to January. You will have kids that have not been in a classroom setting for real from late March. So almost a year. Three-fourths of a year. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine what that's going to be like when people come back? Well, there's schools right now, right, that are developing all virtual schools, figuring out, let's save some money. We don't need, we don't need 50 teachers. We need 10 if we can, if we can master this virtual learning. I'm talking about the people coming back face to face. I'm sorry, folks. I got to be honest. That's going to be a tough task for some educators and for, for, for some schools and for some school buildings, public or private. In what way? Because if people struggled with classroom management before, and if people struggled with cl classroom engagement during, the, uh, dur during virtual or hybrid, some of these places are going to be a, 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 a straight-up disaster. Or the students, it's all new for the students because they miss it so much, and they want okay. to be with their loving teacher and can't wait to be there. I, I hope you're right, and I hope I'm wrong. But some of the stuff I see, it just makes me pause. And let's just say if they go beyond, say they go beyond January, that would be a full calendar year of being taught virtually i mean i'm not sure if this is like picking up a bike like you always remember how to ride the bike um and i think it will be tough and i, and I did speak on behavior but i also gonna think it's gonna be really tricky academically it's just for some places it's not the same all right steve here's the one i really want to talk about administration my personal gut feeling is that if administrators were honest, most of them would say, let's go virtual. That's just my gut feeling. I have no proof, no nothing. But where it gets tricky is what do the teachers want and what does the board say? But if you just highlighted administrators, my gut feeling is that they'll say go virtual. Well, human nature, right? If as an administrator, you just talked about it. I have no classroom management issues. I have no teachers coming into my office throughout the day bringing me students. I have no parents coming into my, into my building. I have no safety officers, whatever other extra reading specialists, literacy, PE, all the other specials. I have all that is taken off my plate. I'm doing it virtually. I'm connecting the best I can, but a totally different world. So I would agree with you that administrators are seeing a human nature says, I'm going to take the easiest path. This is much easier path virtually because you don't have those extra, those extra things coming at you throughout the day. 
But they, they also have a lot of pressure on them because they're getting it from all sides. They're getting it from the parents, uh, their districts, or their affiliations. What are they getting? There's a struggle. Like, you could have a school body that's really split 50-50 of parents. I want to go back to school. I don't want to go back oh. to school. But that's not, yeah, I'm not sure the administrators have to tackle that as much as the, as the board and the superintendent. I think if the administrators school they do. The administrators can go, it's out of my control. The board made the decision. I, I, I can agree with you or disagree, but the board made the decision. I think hey, the administrators just, just quick are question. definitely thinking someone the just world. Me. Someone just texted me this, so I have to ask. I have to ask Grandpa Steve. Um, I'm not sure where you get that from, but that's okay. Oh man, like I, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know if it was supposed to be a secret, but congratulations. <laughs> uh, that's that's great. My wife's too young. I don't know how we could be how, how we could be grandparents. But, but but the question someone just texted me. Someone's listening out there, and and, and they said uh, they're watching it on Facebook actually while we do while we record this live. Teacher evaluations. If if your if your school is online, do the teacher evaluations even hold the same weight? As an administrator, do does it hold the same weight for you as an administrator and as a teacher? Does it hold the same weight? Well, if most around the country use uh, Danielson's four domains, and I would say, absolutely not. I would throw that totally out now because you're looking at a totally something else to be effective. So what's a teacher in this virtual world? What do you have to be, how are you effective? And what's your measurement? So I'm not, I'm not caring anymore about the four domains that all the schools are trying to utilize. My I mean, teacher, all that prep administrators took to get certified in, in, in Charlotte Danielson's framework and Steve Gurner saying, throw it away? Throw it away right now. Put it off to the side. Tell your administrator you refuse. Oh man, don't get. Hey, look, don't don't say Twisted that, y'all. Listen, don't, don't listen to Steve to on that it. one. We're not going to take it anymore. What? And you have to think about what what's effective right now. What do you want teachers to do? And that's how you that's how you evaluate them. What do I want my teacher? So you were a past administrator. I was too. What What do you want your teacher to do in this scenario right now? I want my teacher to make sure all students have contact with all students. I want to make sure that my teachers let all the parents know, communicate with them what's happening and how they can assist. And so those are two measurements right there that I'm, I'm measuring teacher effectiveness on. And then what kind of data, either formative or summative, what kind of data can you show that your students are progressing and getting better? That's my three points of my teacher effectiveness, and that's how everyone's graded. I like it. I like it. I, and I think, yeah, yeah I see you. I, I think you. that's fair to the teacher. I, I think in these, in these times, you have to be fair to the teacher, and the teacher is going to have to be fair to the student. So what you said there, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I don't no. know if it ever comes back out of that. I, I believe I, I would change the whole teacher effectiveness to those three areas. I agree. I, I agree. And that was a great question by someone chiming in on Facebook. Um, so, Steve, we got to wind this thing down. And usually when we wind things down, uh, we give some shout outs and 
do some do some self promotion or whatever you want to highlight. Um, I, I'll go first. I want to highlight just all the educators out there that that are that's doing their best. Mm-hmm. Whether you're face to face, online, hybrid, like like it's tough. It's mentally draining. Uh, at times you see results. At times you don't, and it's probably more magnified if you are online. Um, so we want to give a shout out to. Uh, all the educators out there just pouring their hearts into kids. So uh, we appreciate you. Also want to point everyone to the direction of Amazon.com. I want you to go to Amazon right now. If you're listening, like literally stop what you're doing. Go to Amazon.com. In the keyword search, type in superhero educator. Now that you're looking at the book online, click purchase. After you click purchase, that book is going to get sent to your house, Superhero Educator, and you're going to love it. You're going to leave great comments on it, and you're going to tell all your family and friends about the book, Superhero Educator. Stevie. (laughs) You like the nicknames tonight. You definitely, I love the idea that you talked about how hard teachers are working. I believe this time is very taxing for our teachers. And I'm worried that we're gonna struggle with teacher recruitment after this as well, because teachers are working extremely, extremely hard. And we have to make sure that they're doing well physically, mentally, check in on our teachers, make sure we we help each other out. So I, I like that shout out. And I wanna always make a shout out to the Center for Urban Education Ministries, a national nonprofit group that works to relentlessly strengthen urban education. So cuemnational.org, get connected there and help us transform students' lives in the city. All right, our, and this is a great show and, and please pass it around, know you'll pass it around. And just to give you a preview, a week from now, we're also gonna be interviewing Will Turner. Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator. So that's coming up. We just want to preview that with you all. But we'll see you guys next week with that interview. But we are pretty much done with this one and we are out. See you.